Welcome to The Critical Angle. This is Rick Beckett, and I am with Adam Graham, the legendary Adam Graham. How you doing? Doing great. How are you? Good. So uh, where are you uh, calling from? Where are we seeing you? Where are you seeing this video from? Uh, home in Texas. In the, in the Texas. Del- Dallas-Fort Worth area. Just moved there this summer. So That's awesome. And where'd you move from? Uh, Las Vegas. Okay. All right. Very cool. And um, so you have, I think when, when I think about you, I think of, you know, just like a, a, a rich history of career. Like I, I, I see you've done a lot of cool things. Can you tell me a little bit about what your career path has been like? Um, well, of course, I naturally came into the uh, diamond and jewelry business because I was a fishing guide and ran fly-in fishing resorts in British Columbia. So uh, naturally my transition be into fun. That's a, that's a normal connection. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, uh, so grew up in the middle of nowhere on the central coast of British Columbia. My dad was a logging contractor. So, uh, I grew up in little logging camps and, um, moved to the big city of about 2,500 to go to high school. And, uh, yeah. And I, I started guiding when I was 11 years old. Uh, did that every summer own, started my own business called college bound charters. Uh, and so actually uh, paid for my way through through school, the whole thing. So I graduated from just guiding to managing uh, some of the some of the uh, the lodges I was guiding for and uh, thought that that might be an interesting career path. So I ended up going again naturally from the middle of nowhere to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, of course. Right. Wow. Uh, which happened to be the best hospitality slash hotel school in the world. So um, and of course, th- those were the great times when. Tark the Shark was the coach and, and uh, national championships and basketball and the whole. So it was a great time to actually go to school there. Uh, wow. Yep. And then so graduating college and, and I actually stayed in that in that business. And so um, I'd spend my summers in Canada, you know, running the lodges and guiding. And then uh, in the winters, I'd spend uh, on the road in Southern California, Oregon, Washington, doing all the outdoor shows and selling trips to uh to this fly-in lodge and and uh, so i was living the life it was great great to be single and then uh i taught this super hot california girl how to two-step in a country bar in anaheim one year and uh and uh so we got married shortly thereafter and, and uh, moved back to civilization to get a, a a real job and so we actually moved back to las vegas uh you know, I was, I was thinking, oh, you know, I'll just get a job at one of the big hotel casinos. You know, I've got the degree. Everything kind of falls into that. And uh, and then one day I, I answered in a, a, a newspaper back when there were newspapers, a newspaper ad for a yeah director. Of, I remember those things. That's right. Director of uh, marketing and public relations for a trade association. I thought, well, that, that sounds kind of interesting. Well, the trade association ended up being the American Gem Society. And, uh, so, uh, and I, and I, and I, and I remember, I think what got me the job, I was interviewing with the executive director and he asked me, what is your, uh, perspective on stress in, in the workplace? And I said, well, you know, for me, that's not, you know, a magazine that's two days, you know, has to be printed in two days. It's walking around, you know, a corner of a river and there's a grizzly bear. <laughs> that's stress yeah. to me. So. So I think that was the uh, the thing that got me the job, and and uh, so really zero learning curve, uh, right in right into the fire with AGS. The AGS lab had just started uh, as the marketing director for both and public relations, so had a had a really good run there, uh, running conclaves and doing all that sort of fun stuff. And can and you tell me what it was like um, marketing a new lab? 
you know, it was it was a challenge because basically, you know, AGS was really kind of um, establishing this niche on cut grade. You know, is that being the the uh, key difference between them and anyone else? And of course, you know, the strict standards of AGS and all that coming into play. Um, and so the focus, putting the focus on cut was really important. And, you know, at, at that time, there were some companies, Lazar Kaplan and some of the others who were really starting to focus on Hearts on Fire, really starting to focus in on, on that and, and kind of wrapping their arms around that as being a, um, a key component to, you know, what their product was. And so uh, we got some amazing support at the lab from companies like that who were really taking that cut grade um, thing seriously. So. Um, but again, it's just kind of like, how do you, how do you uh, advertise something like that um, and catch people's attention when it's a pretty technical thing? So I think one of the, one of the, one of the better things that we think we did was, uh, was we, uh, we bought a chocolate Labrador retriever puppy and introduced everybody to the AGS lab. <laughs> and so, of course, That's you know, talking about loyalty, talking about, you know, uh, all these fun things that go along with dogs. And of course, you know, with marketing babies and dogs, you know, you put those in ads and, and all sorts of good things happen. So we had, we That's had so funny. lab with a collar with a diamond hanging off of it and, and uh, talking about him growing as the lab was growing and, and all these kind of things. So, um, you know, again, just trying to take a different angle. And, and when you've got, you know, 500 diamond ads in Rappaport magazine, but none of them have a dog in it. Guess which one has a right. dog? Guess which one people read? I mean, so. do you remember uh, Spud McKenzie? Or wasn't there a dog named, wasn't there a beer dog named Spud? Absolutely. Or something like that? Yep, for sure. Yeah, and then you got Target. Target. You sure. know, I mean, yeah, it's it's a smart move. Yep. So, That's cool. Yeah, and so, you know, and, and during that time, the lab took off. AGS went through a real kind of um, growth uh, period at that time. You know, Ruth was was our accountant, uh, Yancey Weinrich, of course, with, uh, who's gone on to big, big things with in the trade show business. She was our membership director. Jay Lell was our education guy. So we just had an amazing team that just really pushed it through. And, um, it culminated for me with the, uh, the conclave in Vancouver. So I took it home and, uh, we had an amazing turnout of that. And at that point in time, De Beers was not allowed in the United States because of monopoly issues and that sort of thing. So you remember it used to be a, an arm of, you know, J. Walter Thompson, you know, the diamond, whatever it was, the promotion service, DPS, right? And so right. our coup for that was actually getting uh, the De Beers crew over there and Nikki Oppenheimer delivering a keynote address at that conclave. So, uh, And that's why it was in Vancouver? Yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't. Wow. It wasn't why it was in Vancouver, but because it was in Vancouver, we were able to get it opened up the opportunity. Yeah, all the De Beers folks came over, and we did it in two hotels. But the Hotel Vancouver, that iconic kind of copper roof, old old school uh, hotel downtown, and it just that we had some amazing speakers that year. One was the uh, Eric Weinmeyer, who was the guy, the blind guy who climbed Everest uh, that year. Unbelievable. And at the end of his talk, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And I think that conclave is still for the biggest attendance and most profitable one ever. I think we actually made too much money. The board was kind of mad at us because uh, we were only supposed to make. That's a good problem to have, though. It was a good. Well, you know, plus the Canadian exchange rate was awesome. It was like 64 cents. So it, everything just it was a perfect storm um, from there. And then uh, basically at that conclave, I got recruited out of there to uh, run all the U.S. operations for Rappaport. Uh, to become their vice president for the U.S., um, which seemed, wow. like, seemed like an amazing challenge for me, and it, and it turned out to be an amazing challenge. And working with uh, 
with uh, you know Mr. Rappaport and, and all the yeah. things that come his way and kind of going deep dive on, on some of those businesses and opportunities that were always coming his way. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of a, how long were you with, were you with, uh, with that company for, uh, with Rapport a couple of years. And then, um, we were still in Vegas. We actually, um, moved the business of Rapport from New York to Las Vegas for tax reasons, for a lot of other logistical reasons, you know, customer service, of course. I mean, you just, are they still based out of Vegas? I always yes. thought they were out of New York. Yep. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the, this, the business itself is actually headquartered in Las Vegas. That's uh, we built the office there. Um, we print the magazines there. We did all that. We kind of moved all of that into Las Vegas, where it's just it's just much easier to do business for a lot of different reasons. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's awesome. And you know, again, just kind of. You know, the thing about him is just kind of how he thinks and how he looks at things. You should get him on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'd love to. What a, what a disruptor. Uh, I mean, for absolutely, starters, absolutely. Like, he's like the king of disruption. For sure. For sure. But it's uh, he, he just thinks differently than a lot of people. You know, it's it's he's always thinking five years ahead, 10 years ahead. So by the time we actually get there or close to there, he's already been there and moved on to the next thing. So, uh, yeah, just a, a really intelligent guy really has an amazing grasp on the industry and and what's going on in, in, in the world. And, and it was really, a, you know, from what I've seen and, and know of him, you know, devoting more time to, you know, helping, you know, things get better at source countries and some of those sort of things. So, um, yeah, so it's a, that was, that was a great opportunity. And, and at that time, Vegas was, did you, of, did you, Oh, sorry. You lived in Vegas at the time. Yeah. Okay. So you could work from Vegas. That's great. Yeah. yeah so that, so that worked out great. And then Vegas was still booming at that time. So, I had an opportunity to buy a piece of oceanfront property in the Queen Charlotte Islands, which is way up the north, uh, northern end of British Columbia, 60 miles offshore, right on the Alaska border. And uh, I actually built a fishing lodge from scratch. <laughs> it was me and like two or three of the uh, native carpenters up there and, and got that done and did that for a couple of years uh, until baby number three decided to show up. And and, uh, and so back to civilization, we, we came, we had... Uh, we built a winter place down by Phoenix. And so poked around there a little bit to see what, what I might get myself into um, after selling the lodge. And Saks Fifth Avenue actually had an opportunity to have me come in and kind of do a build out of this new jewelry store within a store concept. And uh, so I had a great run there for a year, um, you know, brought in a lot of brands we liked, really kicked butt and, and, and right in retail and, and had a great experience there. But you know, as you know, retail hours, are, you know, are not, yeah. Right. When you've got a family and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, so I started just kind of looking around and, and the opportunity to be the uh, director of marketing and education for uh, the American Gem Trade Association with Doug Hucker and, uh, and yeah. came up. Uh, is, is he still doing that? He, or just, is, is that he just resigned earlier this year. So um, there's a new CEO, John Ford, that's there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. He's from the, did he do, oh, is he, he was the, the Opal guy? Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, I think he does lightning Ridge or something yes. like that or yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So he's moved into that role and, uh, but yeah, so then we were in Dallas for five years doing all that, you know, the spectrum design competition, um, had some really cool success there and bringing, you know, getting celebrities involved to model the jewelry and, you know, getting our images up in Times square and a lot of really cool things along with that, plus the, you know, the annual success of the, you know, the, the Tucson gem show. Um, yeah. Which is always kind of a fun thing. And, and color is so interesting just as a category and seeing what's going on, especially Tucson. That's where, you know, if there's a for new people fight, that don't know, for people that don't know what, 
what is what would you expect to see going to that festival for the first time or going to that show? Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, the AGTA show tends to be, you know, in the convention center. It tends to be the higher end of, of what's happening in Tucson. But at that time of year, you have probably 30 different shows going on. It's everything from guys out there with 50-gallon drums, you know, full of rough material of all, all sorts, to dinosaur skeletons, to, you know, just all sorts of amazing things. Is it the largest show in the world? Or I don't think. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't think so, but it, it, okay. it's, uh, you probably have a, certainly an interesting show for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's some countries that have, you know, larger ones, but I, I've heard it's up there. It may, it may be, yeah, it may be, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to tell because everything's so spread around. It's all these, you know, you it's, it's from the convention center to these big tents to, you know, motels that rent out each room and each room is a, is basically a booth with, whatever that particular person is offering for their wares. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just a, a kick to walk around Tucson at that time and just see what's. That's a fun, a fun experience. Oh, for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we were in Dallas and then, uh, and then, you know, my wife was from California and, and it was kind of getting a little, I think a little homesick and wanted to move back to the West coast. And an opportunity came along for me to be the CEO for Erica Courtney, um, you know, big kind of, colored gemstone designer to the stars, beautiful, intricate, amazing jewelry um, came in there and, and she was in West LA. So we, we lived in, in Huntington beach at that time. Uh, you know, just amazing things. Again, dressing a lot of celebrities, um, working with retailers, doing a lot of, you know, events in store, uh, you know, and with Erica, she's just an amazing person to put in front of a client and, and uh, and do cool things with the jewelry, a lot of custom work and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. She's, she's a designer who can sell jewelry. Yes. And I've noticed like not every designer can, and that's totally cool. Some are just super good at designing and don't really want interaction with people. But then you have designers who can not only design, but sell on top of it. And then it's like game over. And I think she's, she's one of those absolutely uh, type of type of personalities that can do that. Yeah, you've heard you've heard the selling can sell ice to Eskimos, and Erica's definitely that way. <laughs> That's very helpful. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then so from there, um, we had a great show. We actually established a loose gemstone um, selling company for her that represented um, a gemstone called Zarite, which is you know found in one mine in the world in Turkey, and it's basically this cool color change, really earthy green, orange. Yeah, I've seen color. that. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. You know, it's got a lot of really neat characteristics, but it's kind of super rare. She used a lot of it herself, and and to, to a lot of success, and uh, and so we just kind of uh, took that on, and 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 you know, so I ended up doing shows in Hong Kong and Germany and different places with that gemstone just to to kind of get it out. Oh wow! There too. So um, yeah, so it was that so that was that was an interesting run as well. Um, you know, ended up moving on, going to uh, our friends over there at Omi Gems, Omi Purvey with, with Navit and Omi. Uh, again, fantastic people, fantastic product. Um, just putting it in, in with friends. And, and, and again, that was a place that I kind of figured I would be at for a, for a long, long time, just because it, it's so enjoyable and working for people who you respect and like and, and just kind of let you do your thing. And, and so that was, that was really positive. And then, um, a friend of ours, Glenn Douglas, who you know from <laughs> all your years involved with Precision Set, uh, you know he he came calling, and I'd, I'd known Glenn for 20, 25 years, and uh, he came along and said, uh, 
you know, we'd like you to come and work for Joshua J. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. And, and uh, but he was awfully persistent and he just came back week after week after week and, and it finally made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I didn't. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And so I've been with Joshua J going on uh, about five years now. Um, amazing company. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all the right things that, that I like to do uh, with an amazing amount of support. You know, we've got, you know, product that nobody else has available for calls from retailers all the time. Most of the time you'll have it next day. Um, and an amazing kind of private label, you know, bands, bridal, you know, fashion, key core fashion, bread and butter pieces, things like that. So um, just the and a lot of big, a lot of big pieces. Oh, absolutely. From, from what I can tell. Most, yeah. Mostly big, bigger pieces. It seems like over two, three carats in terms of diamonds and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I say, it's, it's, there's not many companies in the industry that have the finished inventory of higher end items that we do. You know, we have yeah diamonds up to 30 carats, um, yeah. and, it's, and it's not just one, it's, it's like several, I, I had a call for, I think a seven carat radiant last week and, and the guy had been searching a long time and he'd had, he'd found one and he goes, Adam, you know, can you look and tell me what you have? Do you have one? Well, we had seven in rings and we had three additional loose. So that Holy <laughs> smokes. It, it just, it just kind of gives you an idea kind of what the resource we have, um, inventory wise that, uh, that's uh, available for, for, for our retailers that we work with. So it's, it's, it's a great, well, let me ask you a question. Yes. Do you like this as much as selling color? Cause it sounds like you were in the color lane for a long time. Is yeah, it I weird mean, going over to diamonds or is it, is it different? It, it is different. Um, you know, I think people can look at it a little differently, although, you know, there's some people who are as passionate about diamonds as they are about color. Um, you know, but again, you know, even with us, we're doing colored diamonds, a lot of yellows, pinks, you know, that's really cool. And we, we tend to sell the classics too in, in Ruby Emerald Sapphire. Um, we'll venture into some Paribas and some things as well, just to, to have a little fun with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's just kind of fun, um, being involved in that really super high end, you know, those five, 10, 15 carat diamonds, which, you know, are, are really I mean, we like to say they're super rare, but it's, you know, when we've got several of them, you call me up for a 10 carat emerald cut and we probably have 10 of them, you know, ready to go. And it's, it, and so from that standpoint, um, it's, it's a great place for me to be when, when you're actually trying, I don't look at it as, as selling to people. I look at it as helping people, you know, and I've always kind of, yeah. been, I've always had that approach, whether it was eight with AGS helping our retailers or AGTA helping our our wholesalers and our retail members that, so I've always kind of taken that approach to um, the business and it, and it's like, how can I help you be more successful? Well, with what I have kind of at my back with, with the inventory that I have with the, with the quality of products that I have um, I can help you, you know, and that's, and that's the thing. And it's one call, you know, I should be your first call and all this sort of stuff um, just because I know we've got it. I know the, the jewelry's great. Um, and you know, again, you'll probably have it next day if it's something you need. So from that standpoint, with my kind of personality and approach to selling, um, with helping people, then, you know, it's, I, I couldn't be at a better place just from the resources that I have. Now, uh, tell me a little bit about your, your family life. So you went, what, how long, so you, is it five years ago that you moved from, uh, Las Vegas to Texas? No, just actually moved or, back sorry, Moved back here this summer. So, um, yeah, so I've got three kids 
that I know of. Um, my 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 oldest son, um, Jake, is uh, 21. He's a senior, the University of Puget Sound up by Seattle. Uh, he uh, he was an excellent football player, and and uh, that that certainly helped you know pay his way through college and, and do all those sort of great things. That's nice. All conference linebacker at Huntington Beach High School and and an Eagle Scout. I mean, super proud of that kid, and he's, he loves wow. loves it. What's his his uh, career goals to be a uh, wildlife biologist, marine biologist, something along those lines. So, uh, and that was a perfect school. Motivated. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, my daughter just graduated high school, uh, ended up with a full ride um, academic scholarship to uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas Honors College. So fo- following uh, in her father's footsteps at UNLV. So she's having, there a, we go. She's having a blast so far uh, doing everything that she can and participating in everything. And then, uh, and then our youngest son is a is a high school high school sophomore. Um, as a freshman last year in Las Vegas, played both uh, football and baseball. Was a defensive MVP on the football team, uh, and uh, he plays catcher on the baseball team. So loves being in the middle of it. Um, and part of our decision moving moving back to uh, to Dallas was just kind of uh, you know giving him a better opportunity at, at uh, better academic schools, be- better athletic opportunities. Um, so we did, you know, basically move back close to where we were when we lived here before with AGTA, um, but found a great high school here that, uh, that was looking for a catcher and, uh, Nick wanted to focus in on baseball. And, uh, and so we found a great spot for him. Amazing, you know, Texas, amazing facilities. There are many yeah. colleges that have what this high school has, uh, wow. here and, uh, yeah. And so just kind of positioning him for his last three years of high school and, and uh, kind of, you know, getting that opportunity to, to make his dreams come true and whatever he wants to do, then he can do it. So, you know, the things the things you do for your kids, right? <laughs> and then you're going to have an empty nest. Yes, yes, yes. What's yes. that going to be like? Is that going to be weird? It, it'll be totally weird. Yeah, totally weird. So, um, but, you know, for, for me here, uh, Dallas is a good, uh, it's a good central location for me to kind of work my territory, direct flights, you know, out of here to any any of my store locations. Yeah, it's perfect. So, yeah, so it, it, it works out well uh, as far as a, a hub for me to operate from. Yeah. Well, that's so neat. I have so much respect for you. I think parenting is so dang hard. I have three kids right now, um, and I have one 13, one uh, 9, and one who's 7. And, man, it's it's just you're in the, you're in the thick of it for – quite some time, you know, you, you don't have a life, you know, you're, and then you're trying to get your kids, uh, you know, make sure that they're you know, respectful and kind and hardworking and all these types of things. And it's, it's tough. So I, I hats off to you. You know, it's, it, it is, it is tough, but it's, it's also rewarding. I mean, and, and I think if there's any kind of advice that I would give on that side, it's just, it's keep your kids busy. You know, like, like, like I said, our oldest son, it was sports and it was um, scouts and he also played, you know, the trumpet until he got to high school where he had to kind of pick sports over, over music and, and pick sports. And, and it was a good thing. Uh, you know, our daughter was involved with band. I think she plays like five different instruments and she was involved in a lot of things and, and uh, started working at Domino's and, and uh, doing that. She still does that as a manager now and she's 18. So she's, uh, wow. so, yeah. So she, and now she's involved with sororities. Uh, she's, she's involved with a elite. She wants to go study law. So she's involved in the legal fraternity, um, so it's, you know, it's, it, I think it's just kind of keeping it busy. And then with Nick, it's, it's been sports, it's been baseball, football, uh, you know, he and he and I do a lot of, well, all the kids actually will go, uh, fishing and, and, uh, we do a lot of duck hunting. 
um, together. As, do you fly fish or spin like, fish? I was I was going to ask you that earlier. <laughs> I do both. Um, you know, both, I, okay. I, I personally enjoy fly fishing now that I'm just kind of doing it on my own or with the kids. So, you know, if I'm doing a trip up through Montana, Wyoming, I'll take the boys with me, throw the fly rods in the back and just kind of make a, uh, a busman's holiday out of it. And we'll, and we'll, so we'll go from Jackson hole and we'll drive up through Yellowstone, oh, wow. fish the Gibbon, fish the Madison, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, all those great blue ribbon rivers for trout and just oh. have a blast, you know? So, uh, so again, it's just, it's, it's keeping them, um, out of, out of just kind of idle, idle. Yeah. Stuff. Cause then you're online, you know, sitting online and who knows what you're doing, you know, with that idle time. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you kind of pivoting a little bit. What, what is your approach to our current economy? I mean, where, where do you, is there, how are things selling for you guys? Are, are things still selling? Are you nervous? Where, where are you guys at and where are you at in terms of kind of the temperature for yourself? Um, well, I think we're lucky in, in kind of operating in the space we're in. Uh, I think our core clients for our bigger pieces aren't concerned about the price of gasoline, aren't concerned about how much a loaf of bread is or how much, you know, the their school lunches have gone up or that sort of thing. And, you know, and again, it's I'm not downplaying all of that, but I'm thinking, you know, the people who are, uh, you know, buying those bigger pieces, that's not a concern. Now, certainly if you know, they own a bunch of stock and the stock market's tanking, then that might make them, you know, a little hesitant. But I think, you know, looking back over those last few years and the, the pandemic and, and everything that kind of happened there, where our biggest competitor in the jewelry industry is 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 travel, right? Luxury travel. And and that just came to a complete stop. And, you know, so so we obviously saw a big increase in the way jewelry sold. And I think and I think it's kind of, you know, all of us have kind of been expecting that amazing year that was last year with jewelry to, to, to as we get, came into 2022 to kind of drop off now that kind of travel was opening again and people had choices and did whatever. Um, my personal theory on it, though, is that people, when they bought jewelry last year, probably had amazing responses from those that they bought jewelry. <laughs> right? And so... And Come so, to think of it, I have seen some repeat customers lately, so that... Right? <laughs> So, so yes. I, I think that may have had something to do with it where it's like, oh, okay, this is not, you know, a bad option when it comes to, you know, an anniversary present. Instead of taking my wife to Paris, if I buy her a beautiful diamond line bracelet or, or whatever, you know, this had some unexpectedly good results. I'm going to do that again next year. So I think, I think what's happened, like for us, you know, last year was insanely good. This year is insanely good, plus about 25 or 30%. Uh, and it's just kind of, and so for me, it's just kind of riding the wave, you know, answering calls, making sure that people have the product they have uh, to put in front of their clients to make those sales happen. And because they're still coming in, they're still doing it. So um, I think where, you know, people tend to be nervous or kind of down in the lower end, kind of middle end where, you know, more, more of those inflationary items are, are in fact, you know, affecting income and affecting, you know, disposable income for people. I think, I think that has a bigger impact but on the high end it's um we haven't seen any slowdown in fact we've seen it we've seen a, a speed up in a lot of things so uh, yeah you know from our standpoint and, and and again i you know a lot of a lot of credit to josh uh, is that during all of this because of the inventory we had where a lot of people were super conservative about what inventory they have or buying you know during this pandemic josh kept on you know just kind of 
keeping up with his business model, investing in product, investing in inventory. And so when a lot of, you know, the, the dealers got to a point where they just didn't have much in inventory or, you know, had very little to actually sell when, the, when, when you guys came calling, we were in a position where we had it. And so we had a lot of new clients last year, just from the, from the fact that they couldn't get it anywhere else, but from us. And so, and that, again, that's kind of helped this year too, just kind of that carry over. People are, are like, Oh, we can call Adam. He's got all this stuff. That's amazing. You know? Yeah. So maybe I've moved also, up. Also, I would say from something I've noticed too, Adam is like friction is like really important because when, when we're, or the, sorry, lack of friction, because when, when, when a retail store is humming and the salespeople are making sale after sale after sale, not only that, it's a special order and I got to call Mrs. So-and-so and I got so-and-so just came in and there's all these things going on for a busy, you know, retail store. Uh, the, 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 um, ability to, to call someone like yourself and have the inventory right there and be there in 24 hours, um, that kind of, uh, help is needed when the stores are already overfilling with, you know, with customers, I guess, you know, it's, it, it compounds and it also, sh uh, shows you how, how necessary it is to do what you're doing, to, to have that availability and to be able to, to deliver. It's so helpful for just the everyday salesperson. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and that, and that's, you know, again, and, it, and it's not just that we have it too, but we're, we're super responsive. So it, it kind of goes back to my, my uh, days at Rappaport when one of the reasons we actually moved the business out of New York other than tax reasons and other things is you couldn't hire anybody there to be nice on the phone. It's like, <laughs> just answer the phone nicely. You, you know, you couldn't do it, but in Las Vegas, you can, I mean, it's, and so that we have well, Las Vegas, you're going to have the best everywhere. Absolutely. It was awesome. That's the thing because they know how to, and I've hired people from Las Vegas and had them work in my store. Not only are they singing opera, you know, but they're, they're, they're the nicest to every customer. And the, the level of customer service is just like 20% higher than everywhere else. I think. Absolutely. And, and, and so, and that really carries over to, you know, us and being, we're based West coast, Los Angeles. So it's, uh, it's just, but, it, but again, it's, a, you know, my personal thing is that I'm going to answer you as soon as you send me something and, and just so you know that I'm responding and I'm back to you and we'll get it to you. And so, you know, because if you're calling me asking about something, you've got an urgent, you know, opportunity, you need something, um, we're going to get back to you right away, you know, which isn't necessarily the case with with a lot of vendors out there, uh, you know, but it's, and so that's a real key component of, of our success as well, I think is just, is this uh, dedication to, to taking all those objections out of your way, helping you make the sale with, with an item that, you know, fits what you're looking for perfectly. You know, and there's a lot of instances where, you know, we'll custom make something just to meet the demands. Cause you're saying, Hey, this is a, this is a great client. We know they're going to buy. Can you put this together for us? And boom, you know, Josh will, you know, jump through every hoop to try and get something cranked out and, and over to you to make sure that, uh, that you have that opportunity. So, um, yeah. And, that, you know, so from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's not just that we've got a great inventory. There's some people out there with great inventories that are just a pain in the butt to do business with. Um, and, and, you know, with our philosophy as a company, it's just, we, we want to make it easy. We want to make it happen, you know, and, and whatever we can do to make that happen, that's, that's what we're going to focus in on and do so. Well, you can definitely tell that that is a focus. So, um, great job on that. Um, just kind of in closing here, what, what are you, uh, what are you, what are you predicting for the future? What do you have any predictions going forward and, you know, in your little crystal ball there, what, what are you thinking? 
going forward for the for the jewelry industry are you feeling good about life yeah i mean i'm the i'm the eternal optimist you know and it's you know we can all have predictions about the way things are going uh you know certainly my expectations for this year blown away and and again maybe it's 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 something that happened over these past couple of years that that has strengthened um you know the opportunity for jewelry especially the high-end jewelry for those people to kind of get back involved with it uh you know watches have been super hot so a lot of guys collecting watches, what's up with watches right amazing five years ago seven years ago every single person would walk into my store and make a smug remark that there will be no watches in the future and i would say why are you saying that to me i'm selling these as my livelihood for starters yes. at least say it behind my back i'm kidding but uh yeah i mean what a flip now you have and i, I just i think it was on um maybe rapnet yesterday or bloomberg said that basically the younger generations are so in are blowing up the pre-owned rolex watch market I mean, they're, they're loving it. So what's up with that? You know, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's amazing how that has become a thing, you know, and, and obviously, obviously spurred on by Rolex, but you know, for those people who can't afford Rolex or doing whatever, you see that kind of trickle down to brands like Tudor and, you know, Omega has, is kind of done the Phoenix thing and risen from the ashes, but also brands like Cartier and, and uh, Panerai and, you know, the stores that really have a nice watch selection there aren't many slow brands, you know, they're, they're selling and they're selling at all different levels because again, it's, it's a, it's a thing. And people are kind of, I don't know if they, you know, obviously there's a bunch of them that like the smart watches and wear them all the time, but, um, but, but, you know, just regular, I wouldn't say regular, but you know, nicer, finer timepieces are just super hot. So, um, yeah. which is great. The nice thing is, is that it brings the guys into the stores uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe they feel a little guilty spending all that money on themselves and they'll buy a nice piece of jewelry for their wife or their girlfriend. That's definitely true. Um, which cut, which is, which is a nice part of, of, you know, dealing with the service issues that we all deal with, with watches. Right. So it's like lessens the pain a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's great to get them in the store. So again, um, I feel good about kind of the momentum that's been built in jewelry, especially kind of in the categories that, that we have, um, I think it's I think it's been really positive. There really hasn't been any kind of uh, news, knock on wood, you know, come out about the yeah. industry and people doing weird things. Although kind of, you know, you're you're maybe getting a little bit of that with lab grown and some confusion on that side of things. But I think even on that side of things, there's really, uh, you know, a, a distinction and clarification. I think people are, are do, doing that kind of, you know figuring it out on themselves. There's enough education. I think people for the most part are disclosing the lab grown's and what the value is and all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah. stores, jewelry stores are kind of taking, you know, three different approaches to that where it's one, no, you can't buy it from us. <laughs> we don't find jewelry. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, that's just some, not something we're comfortable selling you and, and, uh, and working with you on, on the, in the future. Second approach is, well, we don't sell it, but we can get them for you on a case-by-case basis. And you're a client and I'm happy to help you do that and all that sort of stuff. And then third is kind of a fully embracing, you know, put it out in the cases. It's all about, you know, uh, having that option and opportunity for their clients and, and kind of uh, taking that opportunity to explain the difference between natural and and, uh, and the lab-grown thing. So I think that's going to be an interesting kind of thing to watch and how that actually developed. But I think you know, with that real distinction in pricing now, I think that makes a makes the distinction a little bit clearer in value and, and along those lines. So, 
Um, so I think that's something to kind of watch. But uh, but again, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm gonna you know keep riding this wave as as long as we yeah. keep riding it and keep uh, you know working with our retailers and trying to help them do what they're gonna do. But uh, again, it's it just seems like a great time to be in the jewelry business and and uh, you know it, you know you'll get a little bit of unsettlement maybe here with election year and see when, seeing what happens in the next month. Um, but generally speaking, the election you know if you look at the data, the election years don't tend to impact it as much as people kind of think it might. Uh, and it'll again just kind of uh, it'll do what it'll do. The government will do what it'll do. <laughs> it'll do depend, yeah. seem, no matter who's in charge. Um, you know, it just seems like uh, you know we want that confidence in that higher end buyer, and and I think they've uh, they're more confident about buying jewelry and watches than they've ever been. So um, it's a great place. Yeah. To be. Yeah. Well, hey, that's a that's a good place to wrap this up. I want to say thank you so much for for taking the time. I'm hoping to have you on again and dig deep into some other issues, but, uh, it's nice to get to know you. You're, you're a legend. Your career is amazing. And, um, and, uh, keep selling those diamonds. We'll do, we'll do our best. Thanks, Rick. All right. Take care.